I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewes.substack.com. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the one-page article I wrote and published on my Substack, rabbischneeweiss.substack.com, and my blog, kolhasreedium.blogspot.com, on December 2nd, 2022, and the article is entitled Vayete, the eyes of Leah in the eyes of three schools of commentary. The Torah introduces Leah by way of comparison to her sister. Quote, from Breshis 29, 17-18, Lavan had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And the eyes of Leah were rakos, literally soft, but Rachel was beautiful of form and beautiful of appearance, end quote. The two basic questions are, what does rakos mean and why does the Torah tell us this? The commentators here can be divided into three camps. One, the minimalist pshat commentators who answer the first question but not the second. Two, the maximalist pshat commentators who extrapolate answers to the second question from their answers to the first question. And three, Midrashic commentators who use the text as a springboard to fill in other details about Leah's character and backstory. Here's a summary of all the explanations I've read. Minimalist shot explanations include, her eyes were weak, Ibn Ezra. Leah's eyes were physically beautiful, Unclos. They were beautiful because they radiated joy, Rav Yosef Kara. She had beautifully pale eyes and the rest of her was also beautiful, Rashbam. Her eyes were the, her only beautiful feature, Rav Aram ben Rambam. She was beautiful in all respects except for her eyes because she wept frequently, Radak. Leah wasn't as beautiful as Rachel, but the Torah conveys this euphemistically by praising her beautiful eyes, Rav Hirsch. Maximalist shot explanations include, Leah's eyes were beautiful but sensitive to the wind, making her unfit for shepherding, Bechor Shor. Similarly, her eyes were overly sensitive to the sun, Ramban. Leah's eyes were runny because of some disease which Yaakov was concerned might affect her progeny, Rabag. Likewise, the condition of Leah's eyes made Yaakov think that she would go blind, Abravanel. Leah's eyes indicated that she was emotionally sensitive, not in a bad way, but in a way that made Yaakov more attracted to Rachel, Shadal. The Midrashic interpretation of Chazal is paraphrased by Rashi. Quote, Leah's eyes were tender because she cried, thinking that she was destined for the lot of Esav, because everyone used to say, Rivka has two sons and Lavan has two daughters. The elder will marry the elder and the younger the younger, end quote. Chazal tell us that Leah would cry and pray, saying, May it be God's will that I not fall into the lot of that evildoer, as it says in Breshis Rabbah 70.15, and that she cried out in prayer, quote, until her, eyelash, until her eyelashes fell out, end quote, from Bava Basra 123a. Of the three approaches, the second and third are likely to find more favor in people's eyes than the first. The maximalist Pashtanim answer both questions by making reasonable inferences from the text. The Midrashic commentators take homiletical liberties to provide a behind-the-scenes glimpse into Leah's thoughts and feelings, reinforcing her righteous character. Both approaches deepen our understanding of the story in satisfactory ways. But what are we to make of the minimalist pshat approaches? They seem to raise more problems than they solve. Indeed, Ibn Kaspi, a staunch member of the minimalist camp, is led by his reading to ask a brazen question. Quote, it should not surprise us that the giver of the Torah didn't provide us with a clearly explained reason for Leah's inferiority and Rachel's beauty, for there is no illustrator like our God. However, what is surprising, based on our principles and the principles of every pious individual, is how Yaakov Avinu chose maidens based on beauty. End quote. Ibn Kaspi's commentary follows in the footsteps of Rav Yosef Kara, minimalist Pashtun par excellence, who writes in his commentary on 1 Shmuel 117, quote, 
The prophetic text was written complete with its solution and everything it needs, lacking nothing in its place to be fully understood. And there is thus no need to bring proof from any other place nor from Midrash, end quote. This is the minimalist pshat method, to read the text as conservatively as possible and unflinchingly face whatever questions may arise. This approach is difficult and treacherous, which is why it is far less popular than the other two approaches. Nevertheless, it is part of our Masora and should not be dismissed or undervalued. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.